Praise the Lord. How is everybody this morning? Good. Yes, you are blessed. We've been uh, going through the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come. And uh, really, you could preach on this all year long because everything has to do with the kingdom. But I have a feeling at some point, uh, Pastor Brad's going to take back over. Um, on his Sunday morning. So, but I'm, I'm getting in as much as I can uh, on, on the kingdom. And we've gone through what the kingdom of God is. We've talked about uh, how to enter the kingdom of God. Um, we've talked about how there is government in his kingdom. And most problems, the majority of problems in the world have to do with lack of government. And if there's chaos in any situation, it's because of lack of governing. And so when we understand the kingdom of God and his principles, which is what we really focused on last week, were the principles of God. If we live by his principles, then we are in a place of protection because his principles will protect us. And so if we're outside of his principles, then we're opening ourselves up to things of the enemy where the enemy can come in and begin to cause chaos and havoc in our life because we're not following his principles. And so the word of God is so important uh, in that concept of kingdom and government. We've talked about the blessing of God. And of course, when we come into the kingdom of God, then we become part of or an uh, we gain the inheritance of, let me say it that way, of the blessing of God. And so the blessing is to get things done. God blessed Adam and Eve in the beginning when he gave them the commission to be fruitful and multiply, to uh, replenish the earth, to subdue and have dominion. And so he blessed them, giving them the ability to do those things. And so the blessing actually lives within us and it is released through faith. And so we're going to talk about that this morning because last week we focused on uh, the things that we have to apply concerning principles, which that's the law of God. And if you remember, all of these things were in the Ark of the Covenant. There were three items in the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, which was a shadow of the things that we carry because the Levites, the priests, were to carry the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant in the wilderness to the promised land. And when they did that, they were carrying three items in that Ark. One was the law, which we talked about last week, the standard, the principle that we're to live by. But the other two was the manna that was supernaturally given for their provision during the time in the wilderness. And the third was Aaron's rod, which we'll talk about that once we finish with uh, the manna, the supernatural empowerment for provision. So that's the second one we're going to talk about today. And if we can get to Aaron's rod of authority, we will. But um, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1. 
And it says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Fallen short of what? Fallen short of his rest. That means that, that we can still enter the rest. Uh, and whenever the, he was talking about that, he was referring, again, back to the wilderness and back to when the people did not enter into his rest, into his promise, because they did not believe. And so he's referring to that moment in time when they refused to believe, and therefore they didn't enter into the rest. There was a hardship and a toil that came upon them. And then it says in verse 2, For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their unbelief. Therefore, God again has set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later, he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of unbelief. And so in this passage, we see that it's if we will not be in a place of rest, and I'm not talking about going home and, and physically laying down and going to bed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a rest in your spirit, a rest in your soul, that you are not uh, rattled by the things going on around you, but there is a rest that the children of God can enter into because it's entered in through faith. And that element of faith is also, you can kind of term, term it this way, it's provision. It's faith in the provision of God in every area of our life. That manna in the wilderness was supernatural provision. And just if you are a little unclear of the story, they were in the wilderness, and of course, you're feeding a million plus people, and they didn't have enough supplies in, the, in that area. You're in a desert. You're in a wilderness. And so they begin to cry out, there's not enough food. And God supernaturally supplied for them a substance from heaven called manna. In fact, manna meant what is it? Because it was something supernatural. It came from heaven. It wasn't something that was, that was created here on this earth. It fell like the dew from heaven. And when they would go out every morning, it would be there every single morning. And God gave them an instruction. And he said to them, only gather what's needed for today. The only time you gather more is the day before the Sabbath, when you gather for today and for the Sabbath day. But if you try to gather more 
then it will rot and you'll find worms in it, which happened to some people because they didn't believe. They're trying to gather for tomorrow. They're trying to gather for next week. And they're trying to gather for a year from now. But then when they would wake up, everything had worms in it. So God was trying to teach a faith element here that I will be your provider, not just today, but tomorrow, the next day, and I'll be your provider two years from now. So you don't have to worry and try to line everything up for the two-year mark of what I've called you to do because I will supply to you today what you need today for the assignment. And so the, the Israelites had to live by this uh, standard, because if they didn't, then they found worms in their, in their food. And so the supernatural element here, the supernatural provision was a walk of faith. And then the same thing, they were to go into the promised land, how? Through faith. But once they got there, then they begin to talk about the giants. And they begin to talk about how they couldn't take the land because the giants are in there. And so only two of them were able to enter into that promise because they had faith. They believed. They said, let's go in, for God has given us this land. So those two were the only two. Caleb and Joshua were the only two able to enter into the rest into the promise, into the inheritance. That stands for us today. There are many promises in the word of God. And just like we talked about last week, there are things, there are principles, standards. There's wisdom from the word of God. And we must walk into that, but we must mix it with faith. It's not enough coming into a place of faith where you're believing that and not believing what those on the outside are saying because they probably were talking, what's, what's Lucy doing? Like, this is crazy. She's just going around to all the neighbors gathering up their jugs. And we all know she don't have nothing. We all know she's getting ready to sell her sons to the creditors. The girl's done lost her mind. But she was obedient. She shut the door. She shuts everybody out, and she goes about her business. And she begins to pour. And as long as she's pouring and as long as she's got an empty vessel to pour in, it just keeps flowing. It just keeps flowing. It just keeps flowing. And it only stops whenever there was no jug left to pour it into. See, the miracle stops when our faith stops which tells us if we're not out operating in faith at all, then the miracle can't bust through. So we've got to operate. It's like faith is the, the very thing that turns the spout on. But if that's not turned on, nothing's flowing. No miracle's going to flow through. So how does this apply in our life? What about us today what do we need to do today you know it, it even reminds you of Adam and Eve in the very beginning because in the very beginning they were to guard the garden and Adam did not guard the garden he allowed the enemy to come in and the enemy is what sowed the seed of doubt really is this really what you're supposed to be doing are you sure because God's got God's hiding some things from you He's really not giving you the full package. No, God was keeping them from evil. But the enemy comes in. But, the, but before that, God had told them, I have given you every seed-bearing plant and every fruit with seed in it. What was that meaning? 
And he gave them the commission. This is what you're, you're to do. You're to go and you're to, to plant, multiply, replenish. But here is, I've given you the seed. Just like this woman, what was her seed? It was, it was a jar of oil, a little bit of oil. God's not going to ask you to do something with something you do not have. Well, when I get this, God, then I'll sow that. When I am in this spot, then I'll do that. No, God's asking you for something now that you have possession of now. And it's not always materially. Sometimes it has something to do with the heart. Sometimes he's asking you to give up something from the heart, something that's attached to itself that's become more to you than what God has become to you. Or something in your life that has ruled you more than what God has ruled you. Sometimes he's asking you to give up a sin. Sometimes he's asking you to give something materially. Sometimes he wants you to give your time, your energy, your love, your friendship. Whatever that seed is, you already possess it. You have it in your hands. Sometimes it's actually right on the tip of your tongue. Sometimes the very seed to the miracle is a shout of joy. or a dance to your feet, or a declaration of the word. You see, time and time again throughout the word of God, God asks people to do something they have the ability already to do. And sometimes it looks crazy. And sometimes it's the thing that we feel the very least like doing. But God, I'm in this moment, and I don't feel like praising God, I'm in this moment, and I don't feel like jumping for joy. God, I'm in this moment, and I don't feel like giving love to someone else because I don't feel like I've been loved. I don't feel like I have joy. So how can I praise you? How can I be joyful when I feel like I'm all dried up? And God says, if you'll just trust me. If you'll just trust me and you turn that spigot on and you turn that, that, that valve on, the miracle will start flowing. It'll start coming out. Because that's the element of faith. And the element of faith is when you are required to do something, to grab a hold of something in the unseen, the spiritual realm, because that's ultimately what you're trying to get through. Then you will enter your rest. What you have is not in the material realm, it's in the spirit. You gain it through the spirit. You can spend a lifetime running after the things of this earth, and it will never make you happy, and you can, you can use up a lot of blood, sweat, and tears doing that. But if you'll operate in the spirit and let the faith do the work, because really that's what faith is, Jesus would say, just believe. When the centurion's daughter died and, and they came and they said, don't bother the master anymore. She's already gone. And Jesus, what was the first thing he said? Don't doubt. Only believe. Only believe. He was like getting his attention. Nope, focus. Don't lose this moment. Don't let your heart go down that path. Only believe. Only believe. And time and time again, that's what he would say in the word of God. Only believe. 
That was the focus. Only believe. Just believe. I'm not asking for 10 things. I'm just asking you only believe. And when they would come to him, and sometimes he would say, what is it that you want? He was, he was checking out their faith. What is it that you're want, wanting? What do you believe that God can do for you? He wasn't asking them a question because he just didn't know. He wanted to know where their level of faith was at. And so them speaking that out became this step of faith that was needed for that moment's miracle. Faith often begins with an impossible situation. And what's interesting that we've found so many times through the years, people can, can be walking along and then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and it causes a bump in the road. It causes an obstacle. In fact, sometimes it's not just a bump. Sometimes it, it, it's really like a roadblock. Like they've just put huge roadblocks right in front of you and, and there's just, I can't get through. And really, when you look at it, faith is moving those obstacles. But you're not doing it in the physical. You're doing it in the spirit. But what happens is many times people, they look at that and go, oh, God, move that for me, please. And they start crying over the situation instead of applying faith. Because they believe in the situation and that roadblock more than they believe in the power of God. Or they don't honestly know what to do many times. But that's why I'm going through this, because I want you to be equipped. I want you to have the, the tools. And yet, we can pray for things and, and see miracles happen, and, and we do so many times. But I want this church to be equipped to know how to, to see your battles through. It's not wrong to come up and ask for prayer. It's not wrong to, to agree in prayer with things. The word of God has said so. But the stronger that we can get you to be operating on things, you're going to see the victory and you'll teach other people how to do it too. And then you've got an army of God that's operating through faith. Seeing victory after victory and not allowing the enemy to steal their future. Not allowing that roadblock to stop them and say, well, I, there's just nothing else I can do now. I've got to compromise. That roadblock just means that thing, that thing is getting ready to be moved through faith. So you got to see that roadblock as the enemy's just trying to stop me from my future. He's trying to stop me from my inheritance. The giants, that's all they were. They were fallen. They were the product of fallen angels coming and, and having relations with the daughters of men. And so you've got giants in the land. What was that? It was demonic in nature. Why? To keep the children of Israel out of the promised land. So you have this, all this land of Canaan where giants were to keep the children out of their promised land. So the enemy does the same thing. He'll send things to try to keep you from your inheritance. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that he quits bothering you. He tries to throw things in there so you'll be a sad Christian or a depressed Christian or a Christian that's defeated. 
Because if you operate that way, then he's kind of one, so to speak, in, in a way. Because, well, I don't have to worry about them because now they'll just be in survival mode. But if you become victorious and you know your inheritance and you know what God has promised you and given But it has to be done by the law of God and through faith. Because that's his system. Just like every kingdom has a system of laws. God's kingdom has a system of laws and principles. And he's given us this word so that we understand what is ours. He could have just given us, you know, the the points of salvation and said, you can be saved, and that's pretty much it. But he didn't. He said, this is the new covenant, the new will. You have a will. You You are the receiver and the inheritance, or you have an inheritance that is given to you through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of him. But even a person where the will has been written, they have to go claim it. They have to attend. In fact, when we were dealing with a piece of property a couple of years ago, last year, and it was a piece of property that had been pretty much divided between uh, Pastor Brad and, and his cousin. And so, but there was one, one small element of this property that had been given to a relative. And it was a very small portion. But it was one of those things where it was like if it, if it continued to be held onto, you know that it was going to turn into a mess because it would, it would go down from uh, this relative to all of their descendants, all of their, all of their children. It would just get messier and messier. And so we were like, we need to get this taken care of now. And this piece of property was for sale, but it was hung up on that one because they could not find one of the kids because they had gone off and their life was a bit of a mess and he, they didn't even know how to contact him. And this one piece of property was getting held up, even though they didn't really have much uh, authority, but it was getting held up because of this one small element. And it's like, if one person doesn't know that they have an inheritance to something, They'll never come claim it. They'll never have anything to do with it. And they won't reap the benefits of whatever that package was. We have packages in heaven. Salvation does not just mean saved from fire. It means restoration physically, mentally. It means healing. It means prosperity and provision. It means wholeness. So in that whole package of salvation, it brings us back to the relationship that we had with God in the Garden of Eden. Completely restored. He's given us, even in that package, the mind of Christ so that we can understand his will. 
so that we can gain access to the mind of Christ, the wisdom and the counsel of God that bypasses man's understanding on this earth. That's why you can do things and supernaturally bypass it. Years ago when we went to start, uh, well, we had, we'd been married for maybe a year. I don't even know if it was a year yet. I think at that point, our paychecks, your paychecks was $749 every two weeks. It barely even, I don't know if it even covered everything, honestly. But we were moving back home. We had lived in Mannington for the first year. We were moving back home to Ritchie County. And we were, we may have just had Zane. I think we did. And there was a, there was a property that was for sale. We had nothing. I mean, we're barely getting by. We've got a baby. But there's a piece of property for sale. And God had been pressing on our hearts to, to start a Christian child care center. And we saw this building and we were like, man, wouldn't that be an awesome place to have a child care center? And, and the kids from families could come and we could teach Christian values. Wouldn't that be a, a wonderful building for families and resources? And we just kind of sat in that parking lot and just talked and dreamed. We didn't really say anything to anybody. In fact, we kept driving around the county some, trying to find something we could even possibly afford. I don't know that we really could have afforded anything at that point. But, <laughs> but we just kind of drove around. But, but we had this dream. We didn't really say anything to any, anybody about that particular building. And then it was just a few weeks later, a couple months later probably, my parents come and, and they're like, oh, we decided to buy such and such building out, you know, on route whatever. And, and you know, that building there, that big one. And we're like, what? We never said anything to them about it. But they allowed us to start the business there and gave us a portion of that building to put the daycare center in, which we had for 10 years. Preschool a Christian preschool for the community, a Christian place to come for after-schoolers that get off the bus there, for babies, for infants. All those kids are graduating now from high school. It's funny to see because we're like, oh, yeah, we had them in preschool. Oh, we had them in daycare. We didn't have the finances for it, but God knew how to make that happen. But all we did, we were just young enough to believe in faith. And we were pursuing it. And we were looking for, you know, how do we begin to look at all the laws around child care? How do we begin to, to you know, who, who all do we have to answer to? You know, the DHHR and the health department and the state licensing and all of these things that we had to begin to look at. Look at all the regulations. But we didn't just sit back and say, you know, well, we'll just wait until we have a building or a location before we start stepping through the hoops. No, I had a big, thick booklet printed off the computer of all of these things that were required. And I began to look at it and highlight things and, and look at what, what the requirements were, what, the, what we needed to do, who we needed to get a hold of. We did what we could do on our end, and then the pieces began to fall into place. That's faith. 
stepping where you know that you can step and trusting that faith will bring the rest into place. Because faith is the currency of heaven. Get that for a second. If you want something from heaven, you have to pay with it through faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Only believe. Only believe. And I believe in here today, there are people with dreams, there are people with visions of things that you want to accomplish, things that God has birthed in you to carry out, things that God has put in you to expand his kingdom, to bring others to Christ, to love him, things that he's put in you to fund the kingdom. There's so many ways to advance the kingdom. There are things in you that you you maybe even been afraid to step out in, afraid to voice. It's time to voice it. It's time to put voice to that. It's time to begin to step. You have no idea, and you will be amazed. Once you begin to speak those things out, how things begin to line up and come into place because you dare to have faith. But as long as the enemy, that's why I was so ticked off with masks or with COVID because I knew it was a tactic of the enemy to muzzle the children of God. It was a symbol in the demonic realm of a muzzling of the people of God. Human beings were not meant to be muzzled. This right here is your power source from God himself. He spoke and it was created and that's exactly what you were created to do. You speak and it is to be done. What you speak, that's why you got to keep a guard on your mouth. You got to watch your words because what you will speak, whether it's death or life, it will come to pass. Those are seeds that you're sowing out. But if you begin to sow into the spirit, the realm of faith, the things that you want to see happen, you'll begin to walk that thing out. Because where your mouth talks, that's where your course of your life will begin to follow. And God will just begin to throw things right into places you need them. <laughs> 